Hello and welcome, it's me, Rodney Cyrus, back with you one more time. This is On and Off the Pitch, a sporting podcast. I'm joined for a very special interview by the manager of London Bees, Lee Birch. Lee, how are you? And thanks for joining me. I'm great, thanks. Uh, thanks for inviting me on. Hope, uh, hope you're well as well. Yeah, I'm fine. Yeah, I mean, I before we got into this, the, the, the mutual kind of how are you, um, but generally, how are you considering there is no football? Yeah, I think without no football, it's it's hard to to keep ticking over and I think people that are in the industry and live and breathe the game you know how important it is to you but when it's really taken away from you mm. you know not like pre-season take everyone hates pre-season anyway when you have that five six week break and as a manager obviously you're still doing stuff you're not actually playing games or you're having that downtime you can still go and have a kick about or you know there's still something happening you can still go and out and take your mind off football so you have those pre-season breaks where you miss the game uh, but this is this is obviously different because you know apart from the garden you, you're not getting an opportunity watching old games is is good to a point but yeah when when the game's actually been taken away from you and from everyone it, it, it's hard it, it is hard and you know what I had a particular question lined up for you but before we kind of began recording I think the news had kind of broke about the, the, the plans for games to be played in a particular way uh, are you aware of this? No, I haven't. No, I haven't seen. I haven't seen anything. I've been uh, been busy all morning, so yeah. maybe maybe I missed something. Well, I, I, I believe they're looking to play the games behind closed doors. I think from the men's point of view, but I, I didn't. I wasn't able to grab all of the information. Uh, but that is what I believe they're going to go down, and there's going to be a letter sent out to fans. I mean, are you, you know, four games being play, played behind closed doors, or are you a, a purist who what you know, the fans need to be there? Yeah, I think, I mean, it doesn't surprise me. We've been hearing rumours and different ways and means of doing it from the Premier League to the WSL to the, the Championship. Obviously, all the different leagues, you know, they need completing. I do think they need completing. There's, there's obviously some some big things to, to sort there. And with regards to playing it behind closed doors, maybe that's, that's obviously the way they believe at the moment is the best way to just get a resolution for this season, to get this season done. I think we were obviously speaking, there was a few things floating about on social media around, you know, that'd be funny, the Women's Championship, we might get three, four hundred, five hundred people um, at our games, for example, at London Bees. Um, you know, we could house that quite comfortably and spread everyone around the ground. But, you know, even when you do that, there's obviously logistical problems and issues around it as well. So I think for us, being able to play games behind closed doors is fine. I don't think that's an issue in our league. I think, yes, there is you know, the fans that will miss out, but maybe you can look at, through the FA player, hosting them games and, and recording them games like they have done before. So that's doable. And I think people would rather just see any game sort of go on than nothing at the moment. As far as the Premier League and, and everything like that goes, it's obviously a bit of a different kettle because, you know, teams you know are going to lose out on that, that financial uh, you know, gate receipts and things like that. But again... It's down for them to sit round the table, or, or not sit round the table, get round a, a call and uh, and come up with the answers. And if that's what they believe is the best thing, then you know I'm kind of believing in the the, the suits as such and, and letting them make them decisions. And I think the main thing is that we get this season done, that we get from Liverpool up in the Premier League wanting to win, wrap the title up to Aston Villa in our league, who are probably trying to do it. And there's relegation in WSL and. You know, and all those big, big, important games that need to happen. I think 
once this season's wrapped up and done, then we can have a look at going forward. And eventually, you know, we do need to get the fans and the crowds back in because it, it is weird to be involved in games which have no crowds. You've seen it done before when clubs have had bands and the games look weird, feels weird. I think Juan Mata was saying it when he was talking about Man United doing it mm. in the Europa League just before it's all kicked off. And he's saying it's, it's like a training game. And um, it's really hard for, for players to, to do that, even at our level. Even if you've only got, you know, 300 people watching you, there still is an atmosphere there. There still yeah. is a crowd. And it, when you do it on the, on a training pitch outside and you play a training, it, it is different. So, um, yeah, I, th I think we need to get back to that point as safe as we can is obviously the, the issue. Mm, it, uh, there is a, there is definitely an issue there, but you know I can't, what will be interesting from my point of view, I think for, for those if it is played behind God, closed doors, uh, what would the press access be like? What kind of press conference that you know the post game huddle with microphones in front of the managers will be? Will it all be online now? Yeah, potentially. You know, I think I think the only way they can do it is if it's behind closed doors, there will be a set sort of procedure where people were. Uh, are probably, you know, checked for, for, for obviously the virus and, and things like that. And, and all the players and staff will do that from both teams and they will have a skeleton staff around the grounds and, and things like that. Um, and probably the same for a few, select few media. And it probably will be a select few media. It's going to be your, 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 your bigger ones and, and they're probably going to get the access and then everyone else is going to have to feed off. So, mm. um, yeah, I mean, again, it's it's the logistics of it's not the actual just turning up and putting a game on and if everyone was okay, um, that's that's doable. But it, it's the logistics of everything, isn't it? And these are what's got to be figured out. Yeah, it is indeed. Um, moving away from the kind of current thing, I want to ask you about your journey into management and coaching. Um, what was the spark, or who was the spark for you to kind of move into the job that you currently have right now? Um, I think coaching-wise, the spark was I went to uh, Hampshire FA as a 14-year-old um, to do my work experience, as you do through school. So school would send you out through for work experience. And uh, I got a link in with Hampshire FA and went there for a week when I was still at school to, to do that and learn about um, the behind-the-scenes stuff. So your discipline role and, um, and then there was a coaching department. And actually in the coaching department was... Uh, the head of coaching was Sue Lopez and, and Sue Lopez played for Southampton women and, you know, had a very good career herself, played abroad in Italy as well. Mm. So my exposure even to the, to the female game probably kind of started quite quickly there. Um, so I think when I went across there and then I saw the coaching courses and I got involved in some, some sort of coaching, um, just going out and seeing what was happening and just kind of started from there, uh, went and helped my local grassroots team Um yeah, did as much as I could until I did my first course when I was 16, which wasn't even a level one then. It was a, a junior team manager's award. I did my first coaching qualification um, then and then did my level two straight after that sort of thing and uh, just got into coaching kids and youth and grassroots. Took some local grassroots sides and worked in Southampton football in the community. Um, and then... Sue Lopez, as I mentioned, obviously saw something in me, you know, when I did the, the coaching and I was linked in with Hampshire FA, I actually ended up getting a job with them um, after school. I kept mm. going back and got a full-time role in their discipline department, doing all the bookings and the, 
and the red cards and, and, and that side of thing. But the coaching was really where I wanted to be. And uh, Sue saw something in me and she was running the Southampton Girls Centre of Excellence at the time. And uh, Roll come up with the under-16s and she put me with that that group and it went really well. I was very lucky to have a good group and that was kind of my first sort of foray into, I suppose, proper managing a side, being paid to do it and, 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 and managing the team as well as coaching uh, and working still in, in development football as well as the stuff I'd done with grassroots sides. So, um, and then it sprung on from there, really. I, I did that for a few years. Southampton, uh, unfortunately, had problems in the men's side. I remember they had the double relegation and, and they, they dropped right the way down. And at that time, that they released the women's game, which is great that they've now picked it back up. Um, and it turned into Hampshire FA. So, you know, it was kind of a natural movement across. So I stayed in that. Uh, Hampshire Girls uh, Centre of Excellence programme, still coaching the, the same age. But after doing about five years, I didn't feel there was really the the opportunity to progress as a coach. There wasn't like it is nowadays where the coaches can go into England setups and things like that. And the WSL wasn't around. Mm. So I moved away, I went into men's non-league football before, after years of doing that and managing teams and being involved, seeing the Millwall Lionesses job come up and coming full circle and, and going for that. Um, and I'd kept an eye on the, the women's game because of the players I'd worked with previously. So uh, Millie Farrow, for example, was playing for me at Hampshire FA as a 15, 16-year-old. When I went along to watch a Millwall game against Bristol City in the, the WSL2 um, to see what it's really all about, because I hadn't much I kept an eye, I hadn't really seen what the WSL2 was about. Millie was playing for Bristol City scored a couple, uh, she scored one, set the other one up in a, in a 2-1 victory. So, you know, it was great to see players that I worked with previously doing well. So, yeah, I kind of come full circle and um, went for the Millwall job and, and, and got that. And obviously, even though I'd been away from the female game for a bit, I still worked heavily within girls' women's football because I was the girls' women's coach at Hampshire FA for a bit as well. And I also was working for the FA and the FA Skills Programme. So I did that for from 12, 13 years. I did that. And that was obviously very heavy within the, the women's and the girls game uh, as well. So, yeah, basically come full circle. And even though I've been out of it for a, for a couple of years, I, I'd, I'd, I'd done enough to, to get myself the, the role, which obviously was great. Because yeah, you know something, it's, it's really nice to hear you talk about the opportunities that you were given as a young boy and someone actually mentored you basically to say, they saw something in you. And the second thing that sprang to mind is that you knew quite early on, at, at 14 or, or 15 or 16, that you were going in that direction. You ask most 14-year-olds what they want to do. They're going to shrug their shoulders and say, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, I had, a, I had a conversation with my son the other day. He's 11 and he was talking about things. And I was saying, mate, look, you're 11. You don't need to worry about what you want to do yet. Just you'll find your passion. And as I said, you know, at, at 11, I still wanted to be a pro, you know, I was still trying to be a player. You know, it wasn't until I got to 14, sort of 15, and I kind of realised that actually my pathway as a player is I'm not going to not gonna be a pro. Um, and saw the other side of the game, basically, and that sort of uh, really sort of grabbed me. And, I, yeah, I've been working towards it ever since, really. haven't known anything else since that. So I did a bit of the discipline department, but, you know, sitting on a computer and, you know, Totting up people's red cards wasn't really uh, wasn't really for me. As as, as funny as some of the <laughs> the official reports come in as were, 
um, yeah, that was that was me. I needed to be out on the grass, and I kind of knew that quite early early days. Started off as a coach, but then started getting into manager roles, and and, and you know, sort of it's it's gone it's gone quite well. So I've I've taken that on board as as well. And lucky I mentioned obviously Sue, but I've had quite a few mentors and different points, and and still do now. You know, still got people that that I'm linking in with now and things. So um, yeah, no, I, I've been I've been lucky, but I've worked and travelled and you know and put the graft in to probably support that the opportunities and the, the the belief that come back my other way mm. and you mentioned that you still have other people that you can talk to now is there one particular person that you kind of reach out to and say you know i've got queries about this what what, what do you think is it is it one person or is it just a collection i think i have probably quite a big collection of um coaches around me that are probably quite similar to me through the skills program fa skills program i met a lot of good people so you know bouncing off people that I've worked with and known for a while, I still keep in touch with and, and will happily pick up the phone to any of the previous sort of staff members I've worked with, uh, for example. Um, but through the LMA, uh, League Manager Association, we've, we, we get the opportunity to have a, a mentor given to us. And I've started uh, working with Brent Hills, who's, um, who's been excellent since I, I've been involved and he's been um, helping me the last couple of years. And obviously he doesn't know me like other people do and his experiences are very different to the other people I know. So that's been really helpful because sometimes when you're just asking people that know you and, and know your situation, you need someone that's a little bit outside of, of, of that bubble sometimes, don't you, to, to really give you a, a good a good thought of things. So yeah, he, he's been great and you know, um, I've continued to, to use, uh, hopefully my support mechanisms will continue to grow as well. Well, that's good. Uh, talking about your management, pl your place right now, where you are in terms of London Bees, you've been at the club for, a, what, just about a year? Since the beginning of the season. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's getting towards that now. You know, we would have been done the season had, you know, had, had this not happened. So, so yeah, I mean, we've got eight games left to go, but obviously it's been over a, a big, a bigger period. So, yeah, since, since the summer. Since the summer. How's that been for you? Yeah, it's been good. You know, London Bees is always a club that when I come into the women's game, I have many games there, always enjoyed going to the Hive. It was a great place to, to go as a, an opposition manager. You know, the, the mm. facilities and everything was excellent. They're always really tough games. And I got on well with, with the previous managers as, as well. So when the opportunity came up um, to go there, it was back London way, which as I say, I don't live in London, but after the success of, of working with Millwall, um, I felt that moving back London way would suit me, suit the pool of players that I liked working with and, and the recruitment opportunities there. Uh, and it, I've, I just looked at it as a real nice challenge and everyone there has been great. The club's got a real big infrastructure with the hive and the way it runs. So again, that was a new culture and a new thing to deal with. But yeah, I've, I've really enjoyed it. It's been, it's been good. It's been good. And how has it differed uh, being at London Bees to your previous club, Millwall? What, is there any major difference or is it much the same well i think obviously the overall prior to that being in the wsl being full time was 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 real different but comparing it to millwall would say because it was championship then as such and the part-time nature of it i think it's just the the hive is the big thing the the infrastructure behind the club 
you know there's hundreds of people that work at the the ground from you know people looking after the pitches to people looking after the car park to people working in the the the, the starbucks and stuff there so there's so many people around and, and the ground's great whereas millwall um we were using the den originally and then we moved to the new ground at st paul's and and that was really you know housed by two or three uh people that worked there it was a very small ground it was great it, it suited us um but it was really kind of uh, a lot closer knit and a lot more sort of in-house so the infrastructure at london bees is is much bigger um, the chairman and, and the link with the men's club is, is is excellent you know people probably don't give it as much credit as what they probably should do because maybe because of the name because of barnet and london bees because we don't have the same name maybe people think that we're a bit further apart than we are but we use everything that the menu from the medical facilities to to the changing rooms to the pitch you know there's been a big clamor about teams using their men's pitch we use our men's pitch all the time we use the same training facilities we're on the same pitches you know if we're training during pre-season we're on the same grass pitches we obviously use the, the the evening ones so the link between the two clubs is is really really good um uh but yeah i think people don't realize maybe you know how we've got it in we're in quite a good place really um there's always things that can improve as we ever think but that's what that's part of the one that i've really enjoyed because didn't have that at yeovil yeovil was completely separate you know we played one game at the ground which was going to be a showcase game uh, and at millwall they were good to start with say using the den and and there was a there was a slight link there but it was it was very very small and they obviously supported as much as they could do but um yeah, the the Barnet London Bees link is, is is strong. It's good, and it's one of the it's one of the big pluses at being at a club like this. That's really good. Now you know it's nearly been a full season. Um, obviously, you have plans for for the team in terms of its success. How far do you believe this team can go in the next two three years? I think we're probably ahead of our curve where we wanted to be at the moment, you know, sat in fifth place, you know, probably best of the rest behind the top four, which are mm. you know, some good sides there, some professional sides in there. It'd be interesting to see what happens going forward. There was rumours about teams going more and more professional in this division, um, whether what's happened now hits people financially, we'll have to wait and see and every club's going to be different. But I think it was all about coming in and setting the culture and around the place and me learning everything about the existing staff, mm. the um, ground and the existing players. I think we had about 10 players there and I brought about 10 in. So it was making sure we merged that. Obviously some of the new players I knew, some I didn't. So this season's really been a big transition and to try to lay the foundations for a big recruitment in the summer, which whatever happens that will, will, will have to be the case. Um, and I feel like I'm following a nice path and the club's following a nice path as far as our performances on the pitch and where we want to get to. Very lucky. We've got some really good players at the club already. Um, there was a big turnover. A lot of players had left the club before I come in. You know, three or four, I'd have liked to have stayed, mm. you know, but, you know, things things had happened and they'd moved on and, and that's fine. But we kept some really good players. I think we've had some real big improvements in, in, in a handful of them as well, which they've seen and they've felt as well. Um, so yeah, I think the the basis has been it has been good. We still got loads to do, and recruitment's going to be huge um, in in the summer as it always is. But I think um, as a staff and as a players, we're we're really happy with where we're at so far. And if these extra games get played, hopefully we can just go and cement that fifth place because 
that will be the, the best Thunder Bees have done in, in, in the WSL. So if we can try that, that's probably been our little aim is to try to be the, the best Bees so far. Yeah, that's good. Um, so in terms of next season, is there a specific area that you're looking at to strengthen the team or is it just generally across all departments? Yeah, I think it's across all, all departments. We're, we're quite set up and I was quite strategic in my recruitment around the positions anyway. So even when we've lost and we... I've never had everyone available this season. It's probably been mm. the biggest, biggest problem. You know, we've had four or five players that are real big players for us that haven't been able to play enough. You know, Georgia Giddings only playing seven. Mm. Um, yeah. Gang, for example, Taylor O'Leary only played a couple. Merrick Wills only played in 12. So there's been a lot of players that we've spoke about that you know, they need to get more games in, in, in into them. So, um, no, we're, we're quite happy. It obviously depends on who you lose and, and who you keep. Um and there will be a few key, probably not positions, maybe a type of player that, yeah. that, that we're, probably, we're probably looking at. Um, but yeah, I think we're quite we're in quite a good place as far as that. The spine has been really, really important. And as any manager will tell you, sometimes your best signings are keeping your best players now. Mm. Um, and that's certainly what we're about doing at the moment. So. Well, that's, good. that's really good. I suppose right now with everything that's been up in the air in terms of no game time, you, you like... I suppose every other manager has been able to kind of look around and and see the type of players that you might want to look at, how you've been able to do it, probably only be online. But with that said, you know, you still have the day-to-day -day job of being in contact with your players. How has that been for you and how has that been for them? Yeah, I think I've kind of looked at it as a bit of a staged approach because when this first happened, you know, we're sort of three weeks into a lockdown as such, you know, and we're going to be going into it even a bit further. You know, we've had a good period of time. It was a case of not trying to throw everything on them in the first couple of weeks and making sure that they had time to process what was going on in their lives. And some of them are still working. You know, we got a couple of key workers, you know, in the NHS and in the, you know, in the police force that work, that play for us. So, you know, they're still doing real important jobs and, and some of them are out there still doing their roles as well. So it's kind of understanding where they were at I'm trying to bring it in as a bit of a staged approach because I think if you throw loads at them, mm. they're going to get bored of things straight away. You've already spoke to some players, you know, they're, they're bored of running in the garden. They're bored of, so you need to make sure that that they need to do it and they will do it, that you can try to hit a peak just when you're coming back as much as you can do. So there's loads of great ideas out there by, by other clubs I've, I've seen. Um, so, yeah, I think it's real important that we, we continue that stage process. No, that's okay. Um, do they contact you to check up on you? Do they contact the manager and say, I'm just ch checking in, boss. Are you okay? A uh, couple of them. You know, we make sure that we, we check in, you know, regularly with sort of with all of them. And, and one of the first things they come back is, you know, making sure I'm, you know, we're okay and stuff. And they, I've spoke to some other players that don't play for me that have played for me before as well. I think it's in important time there's been some players I've worked with that have had you know, things go on in their lives over different periods and I've continued to, to support and help them when I can do and they're all great obviously they know I've got a family so the first thing they're asking is how the kids are and things like that and, and, uh, and my wife and stuff so that's really really sort of uh, thoughtful I think there's a good thing about working with female players is generally they are they do care a bit more you know and they, they will come back to, to you and, and will ask those questions and you know, um, so yeah, I think the the conversations have been been quite good. That's good. You know, I, I've seen quite a few of um, the players 
or on Twitter, uh, being very helpful, you know, offering help to other individuals, but also keeping fit. Actually, as I was flicking through Twitter now, thinking you've got players at Finbra, uh, Matilda, she was yep. doing busy, busy doing solo training. She said, yeah. doing sprints on her own, and, I, and she says missing, missing the gang. So you know, the isolation bit is 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 definitely difficult for everyone, uh, but it's good to see that players are still staying focused and keeping fit. Yeah, and I think every player is being aware that every player's in individual, you know, situation is tough. You know, we've got a couple of players that that are um, living with other people that they can actually have a kick about with in the garden, or we've got others, you know, talking to Sarah Quantrill, you know, in goal is is she going to get mum body and balls out in the garden? I'm not sure. <laughs> so you know, it was um, just making sure some players are you know living flats; they don't have an outside area that they can get to with ease. So the first thing we did was kind of produce a survey and get all the feedback from the players about where they live in, what they got access to, who have they got access to, um, equipment wise, things like that, I say. So we can build a bit of it in the individual program. So for Matilda, it's going to be a little bit different to, to, to Sarah Quantrill, to, to Merrick Will, you know, because they will have different people that they can bounce off. Now, Meg Alexander, for example, was brother plays a very good level as well. So I'm sure they're having some good games of two touch in the garden, you know, things like that, that, you know, if you've got someone you can bounce off and, and uh, you know, and play, have a little bit of a kick about with and work together, it's got to be a little bit easier maybe than, than some of those that are real, real isolated or, or just got mum and dad to, to give them some support. Yeah. And I know that we're talking via the, the social distancing platform, Zoom. Have the team had a similar gathering on Zoom together where... Do you do team meetings as such, or is it just yeah. as and when? Yeah, I mean, Zoom's kind of one that we've been working, so the staff have been having them generally. You know, house party was used quite early. The next thing we're starting to use, we've got something arranged for the end of this week, trying to get as many players onto it as possible. Um, we've had a couple of little ones, you know, there's some um, apps out there as well. You can get people together and do some quizzes and, you know, play a little bit of, you know, poker and FaceTime things, and, you know, we... We've done little bits of that, but as I say, I'm kind of aware of not throwing too much onto them at this time. Um, but the players, when we're speaking to them, we're making sure that they're touching base with each other as well. The WhatsApp group's obviously great for things like that, and that continues to uh, to buzz around. And there was some, you know, some funny stuff going on last night, and that just keeps everyone ticking over, as well as those that are obviously going to speak to their closer groups. But it's just being aware of the ones that maybe are not as close with everybody. Um, you know, to make sure that they're still involved as much as we can do. So, yeah, I think that using the apps and the Zoom and everything like that is it is great. And we've had good some good staff catch ups, and we've made sure that we've um, prepared for for for, the, for using all of these things as much as we can do because they are great. And you're seeing lots of clubs do lots of lots of good things, but um, we've obviously got to do it in a bit of a minimal resources. I see the Tottenham men's one where they're you've got them all up on the big screen and they, they're showing everyone, you know, we haven't really got the, the resources to do that. So uh, we've got to work within our means. Yeah, I understand. I, I believe everyone is going to try and get sponsorship from a, a, a major platform now because uh, Zoom, Skype and all of those other platforms are, are, have taken over our lives and we, we do need them. And I think we'll need them long beyond this coronavirus uh, this pandemic. Um, kind of moving towards the end of our little chat and I want to ask you who 
which team has been the toughest opponent that you faced uh, as a London Bees manager, but also as a manager in your time? And uh, what has been your best result? Um, I think I'd probably break it down to the, the Championship and probably WSL, because obviously at Yeovil, we were playing the Arsenals and the Chelsea's of the world. So when we played Arsenal, we played them, I think, third, second game in it was, sorry. And at that time, they had Kim Little, Jordan Nobbs and Daniel van der Donk all fit and healthy. And it was unplayable. Like, I literally stood on the sideline. And my, we played well that day. We actually did play really, really well. Um, and they scored quite a few goals just towards the end where we just ran out of steam. But we didn't touch the ball. You know, the, the, the players they had were so good. And I just just felt for my players out there. But also, I think they enjoyed it. I enjoyed playing against that class of player. But that Arsenal team we played beginning of last season, um, and they only had that for about four games because obviously Kim Little got injured against Chelsea. Mm. And if you look at their results in those first four games, they hammered everybody. And it wasn't just the scorelines, it was the way they did it. Um, so they were they were pretty unplayable, Arsenal, um, last season. Chelsea have our, a bit of our kryptonite at Yeovil. They, they comfortably caused us problems in all three games we played in the Continental Cup and they, they weren't enjoyable games. The Arsenal one, it was kind of like, yeah, okay. The Chelsea one, they were just player for player. They just really run us over and cause us problems. Whereas against Man City, we, we gave them a bit more of a game, even though they're obviously real good. So yeah, Chelsea and Arsenal are real tough, really tough to deal with for, two, for different reasons. We were better against Arsenal in the second game, but Chelsea we just couldn't get anywhere near because our way of defending against these big sides didn't work against them um so that they were they were they were they were tough games obviously the two games against Everton were real tough because you know we managed to get the results um probably look at the championship this is Durham you know Durham for me uh, uh, you know a massive respect for them as far as their management and the way they do things and the way they play they have lots of very good players um but they can also mix it as well and when I was at Millwall we had some really good games with them really really good ones and um, and that's probably continued again. You know, we only played once for bees, but that's been that was that was tough as well. So uh, I have a big respect for Durham because they can they can do both. They can knock it around, but you know, if you want to go toe to toe with them, have a bit of a, a more physical game. They've got that in their locker as well. And when we beat them with Millwall three two um, at home, that was a really big result, really good game, and that was that was one of my favourite results. And um, just because of how good Durham were, um, really we. The spring series going back, we managed to beat Everton and Doncaster Bells. We were the only two teams to do that. Um, they both uh, only lost one game, and they were two really good games as well. Um, and I think the the London Bees this season, the, the results we've had have been quite sort of on paper quite good. We, we played well against London City both times, and we won. They, they're obviously a good side. They're professional, and they beat us 2-0 at the beginning of the season, but then the two games since then, we, we've won two and three nil. So they've been two very good performances. But I thought the result at home to Lewis was good because at that point, Lewis had, they hadn't lost the game mm. and uh, they were flying really high. They're really full of confidence and we played well that day. So I was pleased, pleased with that. So um, there's, been, there's, been a, there's been a few, um, obviously a few more at Millwall because of just the period where we, we went and we, we won quite a few, quite a few games. And there were, there's quite a few ones, but the Durham one sticks out because of how good Durham were. Um, Yeovil, obviously, the one, the the home win against Everton when you know the team hadn't won for 
40 odd games or whatever it was prior to that to get the first win in the WSL to beat Everton 1 0 at home um, was brilliant. And for me, it was seeing the uh, impact that had on maybe the staff members that have been there for all that period because not a lot of them players had players only been there seven, eight games before they got that, that win. But mm. some of the staff members that have been there all the way through that WSL period without winning um, and, and committee members in the background for, to, to deliver that, that result for them was, was great. And the players were superb that day. They were, they, they really, really dug in against a, a good Everton side. Yeah, that's really good. Do you know, I'm, quite a few positive results and, and performances that you kind of listed there. Normally someone will only say there was one standout, but you know, it, it, it does say a lot about the players that play for you that you can pick quite a few games, um, even when things weren't yeah. going well. Yeah, I think so. I think it's sort of a couple of games different that pits stick out at different times at different periods. Say from the, the Donny Bells in the and that to in the spring series into into the to the run before run after that. Um, but yeah, I think it was, it was even like the. At Yeovil, we, we lost to Liverpool 2-1 in the last minute and it was like we played really well that day. And Man City, we lost away 2-1 after after scoring in the first minute and we were superb again that day. So it's not always been the, maybe the victories. Some of the losses, the, the performances have, have been have been good and have been been close. Millwall, we lost 1-0 to Arsenal in the FA Cup. You know, we were superb that day. You know, it's only to lose 1-0 to a full-strength Arsenal side uh, that period was, was, was excellent. So... Um, yeah, there's been a few, you know, results haven't gone the way, but the performances have certainly been there, and I, that was quite a bit, uh, you know, sort of a bit of a factor at Yeovil. We played quite well for quite a few games, we just didn't have enough to get over the over the hurdle. But that's what happens when you're playing against, you know, not just the Chelsea's out of the world, but when you're playing the Liverpool's, the West Ham's of the world as well. So um, it was enjoyable, but. Tough, and I just wish the girls had, you know, had the chance at the end to, to, to fight for that. And I'm sure, in a year's time, I'm hopeful that I'm going to be sat here going, you know, that result for London Bees, this result, you know, is is going to be, there's going to be more and more. So, um, yeah, it's, it's it's been an enjoyable run. I'm I'm very lucky um, to work with the players I have done and the staff. Well, that's that's really really pleasing to hear. I have one question for you. Um, you say London Bees are fifth. If you could choose between one, promotion or winning the FA Cup, what would you choose? That's a tough, that's a tough one because I think what's been quite interesting is they've played a lot of the FA Cups back, haven't they, recently on Twitter and stuff. Yeah. And they have looked back and you know I know Matt Beard really well, so seeing what he'd done with West Ham last year was, was superb. Um, I think if you had that, that run of getting to an FA Cup, I think that is probably a once at the moment, certainly feels like a once in a lifetime with, with, with someone like Bees. With the FA Cup, it's probably quite realistic as far as it just comes down to the draws, isn't it? Yeah. If you get a bit of luck with the draw and the other side's not themselves out and you end up in a quarter final against another team in your league or a semi final against the team above and you have your day, you know, you can get there because of where we come into it. But I think promotion would always be be the big one. To take a club, it, it, you know, up um, would would be superb. And it was, uh, we were obviously very close before with Millwall. And that's really, you know, my aim was, Yeovil was to try to stay up. We didn't do that. But again, we can, a little bit of an asterisk because of the financial side uh, next to it. You know, we never know. But, if I can do that, when we can do that with London Bees, I think that would be, a, you know, a real big achievement because, as I say, the 
infrastructure of the hive's great, but when it probably comes to budgets for players, you know, we are competing against some Premier League clubs and we're competing against full time. We're a semi professional side in a full time league. Mm. So when it comes to budgets, we are right, you know, we're, we're down there. But I've always said you don't take your wallet onto the pitch and, and, and the budget is, you know, it, it is doable. And if I don't recruit anyone this summer and I have to go again with this squad next year, I, I'd be pleased because we're, we're really happy with what we've got. And, um, and again, coaching and managing is about getting the best out of players and, and pushing those players on. That's, that's brilliant. That's, that's probably the best way you can end it really. You know, cause if you can't, if you can't buy, if you can't buy, you just have to work with what you've got, you know, and that's the reality. Look at, look at Chelsea in the men's game this year. You know, I think for years people have known that Chelsea have had a, a strong youth set up and have, yeah. have created a lot of players, but, they haven't maybe created them for themselves. So we're the same. We're, we're, we're going to, because we, we produce players, but there's also players in and around the areas that maybe can't get into your Chelsea's and your Arsenal's that need somewhere to come and really have a stepping stone up. You know, the likes of Rihanna Dean that did that before with me at Millwall. And we've got Amelia Hazard, who was at Arsenal last season. Amelia's been excellent for us, you know, but some of those players need to be clever about understanding when to maybe step away from a big club, and maybe take a step down to go forward again. And yeah. those those players do that right, so that's what coaching is all about. It's really good. You know what? I'm so glad I was able to speak to you. Um, super positive, which is great considering what everyone's going through, and just reading and seeing how you've kind of moved through the game to where you are now and what you want to do is really really good. And I, I wish you guys all the best and you the best, and uh, see if you get that promotion. Yeah, no, thank you very much. I'm sure we're uh, we're a speaker. A few times, hopefully before that moment, and, uh, and we, we remember will. this conversation. Nice. We, will, we will, we will, we will. Don't you worry about that. I'm going to say thank you, Lee, for for joining me for this interview. Uh, that's it for on and off the pitch. I'm Rodney Cyrus, and I hope you've enjoyed it. And I'll see you very soon. Bye for now. <laughs>